This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. Everybody panic. It's up to no good. The experiment is going south. The Dolphins are going winless. It's tanked for two a time. Well, maybe not. Welcome to Fin It to Win It, where we're going to take a nice collective deep breath and talk objectively about the first five practices of the Miami Dolphins 2019 training camp. We're hot off the heels of today's Tuesday practice. It's about 2.30 in the afternoon as we record. We've had a little bit of time to let the latest practice sink in. And uh, I'm not ready to hit the panic button on the Josh Rosen experiment, even though effectively every single report out of Davey is that Rosen has greatly struggled to this point. Uh, He had a good day on Saturday. Both he and Ryan Fitzpatrick were bad on Sunday. And then Rosen was ineffective again today. But there's some interesting information that's come out over the course of the past 24 hours that I think can give us some perspective on where Josh Rosen is as a player. And I also want to take the time to talk about why even if Rosen flops... We, the collective we, Dolphins fans we, are fine. We're in a great place right now. We're playing with house money, but we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Josh Rosen, after practice today, was asked, I believe it was by Adam Beasley, uh, what he thought he's been doing well at training camp thus far, and his answer was that he's picking up how to identify the mic at the line of scrimmage. He's never been asked to do that before. Which is a revelation to me that is absolutely stunning. Josh Rosen has never been asked to identify a mic linebacker at the line of scrimmage as a second-year pro coming out of a pro-style offense, which he played in for three years at UCLA. That is mind-boggling to me. And it's no wonder why Rosen's head is spinning. Because if you're not familiar with why this is important, what you're effectively doing is setting the entire offense. You're setting the protection. You're you're considering blitz packages and and protection uh, responsibilities for the entire team. And if you've never been asked to do this before, that's a lot of information. Now, here's the good news. Uh, Rosen likes a challenge. Well, guess what, kid? You got one. You got a big challenge on your hands trying to figure out how to identify Mike linebackers and knowing who's going to be unprotected uh, or or who is not going to be blocked 
from a protection standpoint based on how you set the strength of the formation by calling out Mike linebackers. And uh, that gives you a, a very large amount of pre-snap information based on that. And it's never been put on your plate before. Um, geez. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to uh, see things quicker. The question is, how quickly does Josh Rosen uh, stick with it and rebound to get back in the saddle and, and just play football? From all accounts, it sounds as though he's still slow to process this information, whereas Ryan Fitzpatrick, 15-year pro, veteran, very used to making calls and identifications at the line of scrimmage, is having no problems with calling out linebackers and allows him to make elementary decisions. I mean, th- this is a very big deal for this to be what it is with Josh Rosen. Never called protections before, never identified defenders at the line of scrimmage before. That's mind-boggling to me for a guy coming out of UCLA who was vastly regarded as a pro-ready prospect. So, one of two things is going to happen here. Josh Rosen is going to adapt. He's going to uh, continue to process this information faster and faster, and then his physical skill can show out, and he'll make decisions faster. Or, I lied, there's three things that could happen. Or, Rosen will be slow to learn and process this information, and he will continue to sit on the bench. Or, Rosen will struggle in the meantime and will mentally fold under the pressure. And and that's a very big thing, I think, of of what Brian Flores is doing, not just with Josh Rosen, but with this team in general. He wants tough, mentally tough, and physically tough football players. Josh Rosen uh, is in a hole right now. And and Brian Flores came out this morning and effectively said just that, that, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is leading the quarterback competition, and it's pretty clear direct quote from Brian Flores, it's pretty clear. So, ball's in your court, Josh. How do you respond mentally to this situation? Do you get on yourself? Do you bag on yourself? Or do you stay tough? You stay focused? You work through it? And if he does, then great. Then the Dolphins will have their answer with Josh Rosen because he will get on the field and they'll get an opportunity to evaluate him in game situations. If he does not, and the Dolphins opt to start Ryan Fitzpatrick, it tells you everything you need to know about Josh Rosen as a football player and if he is or is not the future of the franchise. If Rosen gets on himself, mentally cannot handle this situation that he's in right now, and feels sorry for himself and he can't start over Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's not the long-term future of the franchise. And the Dolphins should have no regrets if that is the case. Why? Because they're playing with house money. Remember, I made this point immediately after the draft. The Dolphins came into the 2019 NFL Draft with two second-round picks between 2019 and 2020. The Dolphins left the 2019 NFL Draft with two second-round picks between 2019 and 2020, but they were both in 2020. They are financing a second-round pick for one year. They didn't even give up the pick because of the trade back. To get Josh Rosen, they simply pushed it back 12 months. Now, one of my followers made a great point. They said, well, they could have had Chase Winovich with that pick in the second round. And while that's true, 
it's impossible to say whether or not that was a good or bad decision because they still have to make the pick next year. Whether that pick is traded uh, to move up in the draft, whether that pick is traded to move back in the draft, whether they make that pick, we need to see what they bring back before we judge, wow, the Dolphins screwed up in trading back so that they could trade a freebie for Josh Rosen, finance their second-round pick, and then didn't get Chase Winovich. Well, this is a long-term process, and the Dolphins are treating it as such. But because of the fact that the Dolphins didn't really give up draft capital, they just pushed it back and financed it for a lottery ticket, if Rosen falls flat on his face, I'm not going to care. Because if he falls flat on his face, guess what? Ryan Fitzpatrick has won six, more than six games once in his NFL career as a starting quarterback. It was with the Jets like four years ago. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the kind of quarterback that's going to elevate your team enough, especially if you have a stinky football team, to not be in a position to draft a quarterback. And I'm sorry, but I do not think the Dolphins are a good enough team that Ryan Fitzpatrick will elevate this team to 8, 9, 10 wins. I don't think so. I do not believe it. And if you're picking anywhere inside the top 12, You can get it done. It might cost you more than you want to trade, but you can get it done. And if Rosen falls flat on his face, this team's probably winning five games, four games. And if they do that, then guess what? They're going to be inside the top five or six picks. They're going to get a shot at drafting a quarterback, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert. We're in a great position as a franchise, so do not be gloom and doom just because the report's out of training camp or that Josh Rosen stinks right now. He's got a lot on his plate. And it's going to take reps. Setting protections and call, making calls at the line of scrimmage is a huge deal. And he's never had to do it before? This changes all the optics of, as far as Josh Rosen as a player. And, and when you consider the competition, this guy's a 15-year pro, one of the smartest NFL quarterbacks in the league. Even if he is a gunslinger and wants to take risks with the football, we're fine. Take a deep breath. We're fine. I hope this helps because I don't want to talk about quarterbacks for another 20 minutes on this podcast. I want to talk about some other positions on the team. I want to talk about some of the other reactions from training camp because there's a lot of good information flowing around right now, starting first and foremost with the offensive line. Uh, Pat Flaherty has been fired. After four days, solid, great start, and you'll hear the jokes. Oh, here we go again for the Dolphins. Oh, and 16. Was he doing coke? Very funny, guys. Very, very funny. But you know what? Uh, This I like this move from Brian Flores. And and one of my writers at uh, USA Today's Dolphins Wire, uh, Dylan Ashcraft, made a great point when he wrote an article uh, earlier this week, and he said, The fact that Brian Flores fired Pat Flaherty is all the evidence you need that this is the antithesis of Adam Gase. Because Adam Gase stuck by uh, Matt Burke for two seasons of some of the shittiest football you will ever lay your eyes upon, right? And just refused to make a change at the defensive coordinator. And he said, well, it's execution. It's an execution problem. It's not my coach's problem. It's not my problem. It's not my fault. It's my player's fault. They need to learn the playbook. They need to execute. Well, Adam, that's not 
really how it works all the time. Sometimes the guys you picked are, are bad decisions and you need to acknowledge that and, and move on from that. And we're seeing Brian Flores do that already, take accountability for a decision that he had made. And uh, Dave DiGuglielmo is now stepping in uh, after doing a wonderful job for the Indianapolis Colts in 2018, helping to turn their offensive line around in one year, going from one of the worst lines in football to one of the best lines in football. And of course, drafting Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith in the first two rounds and having both of those guys hit, yeah, that'll help quite a, quite a bit, right? But at the same time, DiGuglielmo is familiar with uh, the Dolphins' offensive system because he has experience with the Patriots. He's been in Miami before. Uh, he was the guy who took over for the Dolphins' offensive line once Chris Forster, uh, the guy who actually did cocaine, was fired for the team for doing cocaine. And in the time once Chris Forrester left, the Dolphins' offensive line performed much more admirably than what it did when Chris Forrester was there. And then he goes to Indianapolis, he turns that team around, and he went to Indianapolis because he was recruited by um, Josh McDaniels, who had verbally agreed to become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and bailed out at the 11th hour after Dave DiGuglielmo had already signed his contract to be the Colts' offensive line coach. So then the Colts hire Frank Reich, and they, they do the honorable thing, and they honor his contract, and they allow him to stay and coach the team. And then we get to the end of the year this year, and even with the performance that the Colts' offensive line turned in, this is where like the nepotism and the buddy-buddy and the it's-not-what-you-know-it's-who-you-know of the NFL rears its ugly head. DeGuglielmo did a terrific job with the Colts' organization this year, and Frank Reich said, yeah, you know, Dave, I'm really thankful for all the work that you did, but uh, you weren't my choice to be my offensive line coach, so we're going to go ahead and let you go, and I'm going to bring my own guy in here. And uh, with that, DeGuglielmo's back on the street, and now he's back with the Miami Dolphins. He was an analyst for a short period of time. They hired him early May, and now he's the offensive line coach, and he was a guy that Brian Flores had initially tabbed to be uh, the offensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. So it kind of worked out the way that Brian Flores would have wanted it to, but we took an untraditional route to get here, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go with my gut here. This guy's not installing my offensive line the way that I want to. The performance is trash. We need to make a change. Continue any further on the show, I do want to talk to everyone about today's sponsor of the podcast. I'm talking about Harry's. Blue Wire's teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. What does this get you? A five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your front door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so they brought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you do not love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. That's it. Should we talk about some good stuff? We talked about the offensive line. We talked about the quarterback situation. 
it's all bad right now, right? Well, not exactly. Do want to give a tip of the cap for the Dolphins and Dave DiGuglielmo for uh, making some of the changes that he's made already in his first day of practice. Uh, he's gotten Michael Dieter, the rookie, the third-round rookie from Wisconsin, much more involved. Dieter had his best day of practice the first day that Pat Flaherty is not in the picture. Weird how that works. Uh, the Dolphins want to be a team that kick your butt up front. That's how they're going to be competitive. It's how it's the recipe for this team this year, and that's fine. The way that they get there is by playing physical and playing ball control. The offensive line with Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, and Chris Reed on the interior is a winning combination. Now, the Dolphins also tried Jesse Davis back out at right tackle today, and it seemed like he did well there. So let's see if they can put some momentum together, much like we were hoping the quarterbacks would put some momentum together, but didn't have a lot of success in trying to do so. Uh, The running back situation in Miami is... Interesting, I think to say the least. Uh, Kenyon Drake getting pushed by Kalen Balaj, who I had a chance to see throughout the course of my scouting travels. And Balaj is a fun football player. He's effective as a pass catcher out of the backfield. He's a big, strong body. He runs tough, and he's very explosive. The question with him is vision behind the line of scrimmage. You know, how well can you consistently create holes for him? Because if he has to make reads on his own, uh, kind of the, the, the opposite of Kenyon Drake in that regard. He's not going to have a lot of success if he's forced off schedule. The Dolphins being a team that wants to play downhill, I can see how Kalen Balaj would be a player that attracts uh, attention for the Dolphins because he runs downhill. You tell him where the hole's going to be, and he hits it. This is one of Adam Gase's biggest issues with Kenyon Drake is Kenyon Drake gets too cute. You know, He needs to stick his nose in the pile and, and churn out four or five yards Instead of dancing in the backfield, and for every play that he breaks for 15 to 20 yards, there's three that he gets boxed in and loses a yard or or runs for zero yards or one yard on the play. So uh, I I really think and I like that Brian Flores is doing this with his football team. He's challenging guys, and he's challenging guys not just physically, like they're running a ton of gassers after practice in the South Florida heat at like noon. Like that's a tough, tough uh, component in itself, but mentally challenging these guys to rise above the occasion. And Kalen Balaj versus Kenyon Drake is an example of this for Kenyon Drake. You know, how well do you handle the adversity that's now been put on your plate? You know, you're getting some reps with the starters, but you're also getting reps with the second string offense. Can you persevere in that situation? Much like what he's effectively challenging Josh Rosen to do offensively is is can you buckle down stay focused and overcome this obstacle that is put in your way whether it's in your control out of your control how are you going to respond to it i don't know how kenyon drake's going to respond and the fact that you know alabama never committed to him adam gase never committed to him after getting rid of jhi in favor of kenyon drake and now brian flores is, is testing kenyon drake is not a very promising omen for Kenyon Drake's long-term viability with the Miami Dolphins. Team just drafted a running back in the seventh round this year, Miles Gaskin, who's a good football player. They talk about running backs 
and their production being easily replaceable, well, Kenyon Drake, I think, is in a critical situation if he wants to continue to remain a member of the Miami Dolphins in the long term because we're still waiting on that breakout year. And if it's ever going to happen, it's going to happen this year. But right now, he's got to beat out Kalen Balazs for carries. Flores did the same thing on the defensive side of the ball with Raekwon McMillan, which I'm fine with. Raekwon McMillan, a player who is really good, really physical in between the tackles. Uh, he said he cut down to 238, trying to move a little bit better, trying to be a little bit more of a three-down linebacker. I support that decision for him. Now, with that said, Raekwon's getting outshadowed by Jerome Baker, who's having a phenomenal start to camp. Anytime you read reports on practice, who is flashing, what they're doing, the kind of impact that they're bringing, it's the same two names over and over and over again. It's Jerome Baker and Minka Fitzpatrick, guys that are going to play on the second level. They're going to play in the box. They have explosive speed, and they're playmakers. I really think we shouldn't overlook this about these two guys. This team has some potential defensively to be a problem on a week-to-week basis. And the games that Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, whichever one it is, plays well, the Dolphins are going to have an opportunity to win some football games because those guys are going to make plays. They're going to create turnovers. They're going to create splash plays for the defense. And I think that's a really exciting thing for Dolphins fans to look forward to in 2019 because this these are cornerstone foundational pieces of this defense now. So no, it's not all sunshine and rainbows as far as the Dolphins are concerned, but guess what? The defense is kicking some butt. They're, they're controlling the line of scrimmage. They're keeping the offense confused through camp. They're getting their hands on footballs. No matter who's a quarterback, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, outshining Josh Rosen to this point. Uh, so first team offense having a little bit more success still. But the guys who we heard the buzz about all winter for the Miami Dolphins defense were Jerome Baker and Mika Fitzpatrick, and they are delivering. Now, adding Christian Wilkins on top of that as a young budding playmaker who's probably going to make some mistakes. I can't sit here and say we expect Christian Wilkins to make the Pro Bowl this year. He's going to be a great player for the Dolphins. He's going to be a great player for the Dolphins. He fits to a T what they want in defensive line. Terrific. So now you got three foundational pieces and you got one on each level of defense. Oh, yeah, and Zavian Howard's still here. So defensively, I think this team can be fun. Not every week, but a lot of weeks. The question is, can the Dolphins' offense move the ball? Can they control the line of scrimmage? Can they keep their quarterback upright? I don't know the answer to that yet. But from here... On this podcast, I do want to shift my eyes forward. And in doing so, I want to talk about some things that we really need to be attentive to throughout the course of the next couple of weeks as the Dolphins progress further and further into training camp, into the preseason, and into the regular season eventually. And I want to culminate with an interesting note about the Dolphins' week one opponents, the Baltimore Ravens. Going forward... uh, Of course, the quarterback position is going to be something to monitor. But I think the offensive line is the most fascinating story in camp right now. Rosen has not 
pushed to the degree that I would have liked to have seen. But it's because he's starting from further behind than what I anticipated. This this revelation about protections and calling at the line of scrimmage is a game changer. It, it really changes the dynamics and the perspective of Josh Rosen moving forward. So the offensive line, it's not just who plays well, right? It, it's what combination of players play well. Is Jesse Davis a guard or tackle? Is Chris Reed left guard or right guard? Is Michael Dieter a guard or center? Does Daniel Kilgore have any positional flexibility at all, or is he just a center? Like, there's a lot of different combinations, and the the ability to mix and match and play everything on the right of Laramie Tunsil, to me, is fascinating. And uh, getting that combination of guys who can play physically stout, I still think is comprised of Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, and Chris Reed. Jordan Mills versus Jesse Davis at right tackle. Let's make that the battleground. May the best man win. Best of luck to both. Interesting tidbit on the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh was asked uh, about his offense with Lamar Jackson entering his first full season as a starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. And he said uh, to take the over on carries for Lamar Jackson versus, uh, I believe the question was the all-time record of quarterback runs uh, in a single season. It was, I believe the number was over 150 carries. He said, take the over. Dolphins are going to have their hands full because they're going to see something they've never seen before. They'd be really well served to study the Oklahoma Sooners offense, Lamar Jackson's offense at Louisville, uh, some of the other prominent spreads across the league, uh, some some run-and-gun type concepts. The Ravens, I think, are going to really stretch you out. They're going to space you out, and they're going to put you in a bind in how many defenders you commit to the box versus how many defenders you commit to coverage. And based on what you give them, either Lamar's taking it or Lamar's going to have an easy throw. This is a huge, huge conflict for defensive coordinators But the good news is I do trust Brian Flores to be able to come up with some kind of scheme and plan to not get boat raced against the Ravens. The Ravens are physically a very imposing team, but they also lost C.J. Mosley, Zadarius Smith, Terrell Suggs. Uh, I mean, they they are undergoing some significant turnover. Now, they have players who are going to step in who, quote-unquote, fit the Ravens archetype and their model for a Baltimore Ravens football player. So that's not to say that the the Ravens are now going to be a cakewalk. I don't think they are. I think the Ravens and how stout they play from a physical perspective and then pairing the speed that's going to come with that with Lamar Jackson out of the backfield. Mark Ingram is a hammer as a downhill runner. Justice Hill, their, their draft selection this year out of Oklahoma State, another spread kind of weapon who can, can uh, get the ball in open space and make guys miss. Ravens are going to be a tough out, but it, it's going to be a big test for the Dolphins because they're going to have no tape. They're going to have very little context in what they're walking into in week one. But my friends, that is why Fin It to Win It is here, to keep you guys in the loop, to keep your heads on straight, to keep you guys informed on all the latest and greatest that the Miami Dolphins, their schedule, their players, their coaches, their history – 
all of it has to offer. We're getting close to the season, so I'm looking forward to starting to implement some new concepts once the season starts on a weekly basis, reacting to games, preseason openers right around the corner. I'm sure none of us will act irrationally or relaxed or react over the top for anything that happens in the preseason, right? Uh, so make sure you hit subscribe. Come right back here uh, next Tuesday for another episode of Fin It to Win It. We'll talk about the upcoming preseason game in week one for the Dolphins, and we'll talk about the upcoming week of training camp as we look to get some more answers and some finality on what this Dolphins team is going to look like in 2019 and beyond. I'm Kyle Krabs of USA Today's Dolphins Wire and your host of Fin It to Win It. Thanks as always for listening. I'll talk with you guys again next week. about mcdonald's all day can't get it off my mind i can already taste it Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some mickey d's deal there's a deal for every moment at mcdonald's right now get two of your favorites for just 350 mix and match a classic mcchicken a hot and spicy mcchicken or a juicy mcdouble price and participation may vary cannot be combined with combo meal single item at regular price 